Well, tonight we have a privilege and an honor that we are going to hear Jen minister the word to us tonight. So I would like to invite her to come on up. Well, good evening, everyone. I'm excited to share what the Lord has put on my heart. But before I do that, let me give you an update. Pastor Sid has his instrument rated pilot's license, so he's very excited about that. So I'll let him share about that when he gets back. He is ministering in Colorado tonight, um, as he did last night. So you can be in prayer for him. He's doing the um, Declare a Thing series out there. Let's pray before we start. Father, I thank you so much for your word, and I thank you that you're with us here tonight. I thank you for your Lord, I thank you for every word, every bit of this message you've put on my heart, that you put on the inside of me. And Lord, I'm believing you for utterance. I'm believing you to draw it out in the way that you see fit. And Lord, I ask you for open hearts to receive. Lord, help us to see what we need to see. Help us to be willing to make a changes, the changes and the adjustments that are necessary so that we can walk worthy and fully pleasing in every way for you, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, you can turn in your Bibles to Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, and I'm just going to start reading here in verse 3. It says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all of God's people. I wonder if anyone's thinking about this, and, and, you know, I heard of those people in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I've heard of their faith. I've heard of the way they love one another. Have you heard of these guys? That, could that be us? It says, we've heard of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you. So it's been bearing fruit and growing in the whole world, just like it's doing in you. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. Growing, bearing fruit for the master. Just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You know, the parable of the sower, there's an interesting point I want to point out in Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. Uh, it's the parable of the sower and it talks about the good ground. And it said the good ground was the one who uh, heard the word of God, received it, but, and understood it. And then it went on and bore fruit, bore the hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold, understood it. So I want to point that out. Jump down to verse 9. It says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So can we know the will of God? Yes, we can. Through, if we have spiritual understanding and wisdom, we can know the will of God. So that you may live. Here's why we should know the will of God. There's a reason. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, 
bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. See, we're, we're supposed, are you getting some ideas here? God's expecting something to come out of our life. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you might have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. So he has an expectation. Why? What's this? It says, verse 13, gives us the reason. It says, for he has rescued us from the, from the domain of darkness. So he's done all this. He's got an expectation that the gospel's going to bear fruit. It's going, you're going to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. And he says, for he has rescued us. This is why. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So we're not trying to earn God's love. He loves us. That's final. But could we please him? You know, parents, you know, we love our children, right? There's nothing, you know, I don't care if I'm frustrated at them, if I'm upset or irritated or, you know, I love them. But can they do things that make me more pleased with them or not? Yeah, they can. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about pleasing him. So he sowed a very precious seed to the earth in Jesus, didn't he? Didn't he? So that's why it says, it gives us this reason he, that he's expecting some production, some produce, some fruit from the seed he's sown. He brought us out, he rescued us, and it, you know, he gave us Jesus. And his expectation is that this seed is going to bear fruit in our lives, and then as we spread the gospel and we raise up others, it's going to bear fruit in their lives, and it just keeps on going. Saying otherwise would be like, you know, what farmer would go out and, you know, put some seed in the ground, you know, so I really love that ground, really love that ground, I'm going to throw the seed in there. I'm not expecting anything, I just love the ground. I'm not expecting any corn to come up. Yeah, I just really love the ground. I'm going to give them precious seed, but, you know, I, no, <laughs> no. When we, I mean, that's how it works even in the natural. We expect something to come from our seed and from our labors. In general, I'm not speaking necessarily you know, as if I saw something in our congregation, but in general, in nominal Christianity, I think the wrong message has gotten conveyed with the, the salvation message. It's like the emphasis is get saved. Come on, we've got to get saved. We've got to get people saved. Get saved. Okay, okay, now you're saved. Now what? Well, you know, you know try to come to church a couple times a year. Uh, don't live too bad of a life, but, you know, carry on until Jesus comes back. Just go about doing your, and, and we don't really follow that up with what's next, right? Maybe you're thinking, well, wait a minute. Um, it is a free gift. It's not about works, right? Well, you're right. It is free from the aspect that we can't earn it. You can't do enough good works to qualify. You can't purchase it. And Ephesians tells us that it's not of works, lest any man should boast. It is, it must be received by faith. But did it cost Jesus anything? It it wasn't free for him. I mean, he left the glories of heaven. He 
took on the form of a man. That's a major downgrade. Major. He suffered a torturous death. I mean, that's a price, right? He, took, he went to hell. I mean, what a price. What was the reason? Just so we could miss hell? Just so, you know, is it free in the aspect that nothing is required of us? Just here, here's your ticket to heaven so you can bypass hell and now just go about your life. Do your things. If you think you can throw God a few minutes of your time, yay, but just... <laughs> no, the answer is the answer's no, that's not what God expects. You know, uh, Pastor Sid talked last week about some cost, didn't he? Persecution. So it, there is some cost, a price. And so, yes, the answer is yes. God expects some fruit. Amen. He expects fruit that will last forever. Now, you, you're not going to um, talk on this subject. I don't see how you could anyways without going to John 15. So John 15, I'm just going to, actually, while I'm going there, you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. But let me read you two verses out of John 15. Verse 8 says, This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Okay, verse 16 says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you might go and bear fruit. So he says this, whether or not we bear fruit, it's demonstrating that we're a disciple of Jesus. That, that's pretty strong language. That's pretty, I mean, you, you can't get past that one. So we ought to be thinking about this some, huh? Yeah? He says, verse 16, he's chosen us for this. I, I picked you out for this. Remember that scripture in Colossians is, you know, for I rescued you from the domain of darkness. I've selected you out. I've, I redeemed you for why? So that you might go and bear more fruit. Fruit that lasts. All right, Corinthians. You guys have it, I don't. Three. Chapter 3, verse 9, it says, for we are co-workers in God's service. Co-workers, what does that mean? It means you're working alongside of. You're working with. Um, you know, don't get out there doing your own thing and, oh, let's do all this good stuff and whatever. It should be directed by the Lord. You know, good is the enemy of, of best, and the best is God's will. So we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care. Okay? So we ought to be giving this some thought. We're supposed to be building with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. So a day's coming. A day's coming when all of our efforts, all of our work down here, 
It's going to be tried. So when I see this verse and I see, okay, some of it's going to just go poof, that sounds like a lot of time being wasted. I'm, I'm not big on time being wasted. You can just ask my kids. I, I do not like <laughs> ineffective use of time. So, you know, have you ever, I, you know, one of the, I've been on the phone with QuickBook reps before. And I mean, I know we're supposed to, you know, anytime you have uh, opportunities to develop patience, you know, joy, we're going to develop this character trait. Yes, you know, sit on the phone with them for like 45 minutes till you get someone on the line and then you, uh, you know, got to go through all these things, you know, give off this numbers and, and these, you know, they, till you get in the system, right? And, and they are sure you're the right person. And then here's the problem, you got to unload all of that. And then, okay, so we try a few things. That didn't work. Okay, well, now I'm going to transfer you. Uh-huh. Another 45 minutes. And, and I, I'm telling you, this has happened to me before. You go on and on and then get disconnected. So you have to do all that again. Okay, see, that's wasting time. Do you enjoy that? No, I don't. I don't. And uh, so think about this. There's a day coming. I don't want my efforts wasted. And I don't know how many people are thinking about this day coming. You know, people just seem to go about their day, and I'm not saying, if it don't apply to you, don't wear the shoe, don't. But, you know, we're talking about other people that we might know of. Uh, <laughs> they just get up, and they go about their days, and they go about their weeks, and they plan their months. You know, you get up, you brush your teeth, and you trim the grass, you walk the dog, you feed the cat, you go to work, you change the diapers. What else do you do in life? Bake cookies, do the dusting, make the calls, send the check, and people act like they're going to do this forever. And they're not. We're not going to do this forever. In fact, we have only a few more days. And my daughter's going, now, wait a minute, I wanted to be 13, I want to go to youth, I want to... <laughs> I remember that, I remember thinking, oh, Lord Jesus, I mean, I, I know heaven's great and everything, but, but wait till I can drive. <laughs> I want to drive. And, you know, I'd really kind of like to get married. And <laughs> Okay, that's just revealing some ignorance, because we just don't know what we don't know. And um, it's not going to go on forever. And I know that these things are necessary. I mean, come on, we got to make a grocery list and we got to make some plans. I'm not saying just, you know, go la 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 and not make any plans. But this is not the focus of our existence. It's something you do, but something else we're always having here in our mind that's taking the priority. Because, you know, just think about this. The day's here, and you're standing in line. And maybe at first you're way so far back you can't even see the great white throne. But now you're up there and there's three guys ahead of you, and here you are with your stuff. Okay, now you're the next one and it's your stuff going through the fire. And it's either going to come out the other side, shining, it's fruit that remained, or it's going to be poof, nothing. And see, what are we thinking in that moment? 
We're going to have any regrets. You know, wisdom looks ahead, makes adjustments now. That's wisdom. I remember um, thinking of time being short, because you know it is. It's the, this life is the shortest thing we're ever going to do. I remember, how many of you remember Dan and Betty Stoltzfus? Remember them? They're so sweet. Anyways, I remember one time, I think we were picking them up to take them to church. And he was, I mean, they were in their 80s at this time. I mean, yeah, late 80s maybe. And Sid asked them, he says, Dan, you know, we're in our 30s and you're in your 80s. And what, tell us a little bit of wisdom. What's a nugget, something you could tell us from your perspective, all the life you've lived, you know, give me some wisdom here. And he said, it went by so quick. It was so fast. And I was like, what? You're, you're 80. I mean, that's a long time. Nope. It's not. You know, we're in eternity right now. We're in this phase of eternity right now called time. And we still get the opportunity that's going to determine where we go and reward. We're, gonna, we're not done reading here, but we are in eternity, but we have a precious, precious thing called time, an opportunity to make a difference, make our, where we spend the whole rest of it for millions and billions, and I can't even, I mean, it would never stop. I can't, my brain can't even comprehend the length of it. And, and so time, how important is time? Super, duper important. All right, verse, where were we? we? We read verse 13. Verse 14, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. You know, the Lord often reminds us of how to get reward. And so uh, I think he wants us to not miss out on reward. So... Verse 15 says, if it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though, it's only, even though only as one escaping through the, through the flames. So this is a really strong verse here for we're not saved by works. You are not saved by works. And so, but reward is different. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, some people might say, well, hey, you know what? Um, I don't care about reward. I just want to get through the pearly gates. Just give, give me the ticket. I just, you know what? I say the prayer. Say I believe on Jesus. Uh, that's, all, that's all that matters. That, that's really dumb. I'm sorry. But that's really dumb because you don't even know what's on the other side. You know, that's like saying, um, okay, Lord, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to pass out. I'm, I'm not going to take dessert. I'm going to pass on dessert, which you don't know is there is like a whole feast. I'm using dessert because I like dessert, but uh, <laughs> there's like a whole buffet of the most intricate, decadent, amazing creations, and, and you're, eh, I'm just skip dessert tonight. You don't know that because you, you didn't walk through the doors. You didn't see it. It's really dumb. But more than dumb, it's selfish. Well, what's fruit that remains? Fruit that, and we'll get into this some, but fruit that remains impacted people for the kingdom. 
anything that you did by the direction of the Lord, anything you did in faith, anything you did out of love or compassion, if it encouraged somebody, if it advanced the gospel, it's going to make it through the fire. So what are we, what are we saying what are we saying when we say, eh, no big deal. Just give me uh, a cabin in the corner of glory land somewhere. And You know what? <laughs> There's, God doesn't think small. There's no cabin. Like, well, okay, wait a minute. I better not say that because maybe somebody's mansion is cabin because that's their thing. So my point is God doesn't think small like that. And you being rewarded means you demonstrated the love of God to people, just like Jesus demonstrated his love to us. So think about that when you say, oh, I don't care about being rewarded. It means you didn't impact anybody. You know, we're not all receiving the same reward. You know, heaven's not socialist. Some people think that, you know, God's fair, so we're all going to have the same block mansion, and, well, you know, once we get to heaven, it's all going to be even. And it's not going to be. I mean, the, if you look into this, um, Scripture's pretty clear that there, it, it's going to vary. That's an entitled attitude, by the way, that thinks, you know, no one's going to have that whole socialist thing. So um, you remember that parable about the talents? You know, there was the five-talent guy and the, and the two-talent guy. And, of course, we know the one-talent guy. But uh, the five-talent guy and the two-talent guy, the father was pleased, the master was pleased equally with both of them, right? He said the same, um, like, good job, you know, to both of them. I'm pleased, the exact same thing, but then if you notice, their reward was different. Am I getting the two parables mixed up? There's one about the minus and one about the, the talents, but um, they, got, they were in charge of more cities, based on how much they had done. All right, let's go to John 15. So, 644. I'm, I'm new at this, so like I'm trying to figure out this whole time thing. Lord's helping me here. <laughs> All right, John 15, verse 1. And Jesus is speaking here. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. So, He's the vine, the father's the gardener. Verse 2 says, He, the gardener, the father, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that, why? Why does he prune it? So that it will be even more fruitful. All right, it says every branch. Does that leave any of us out? Wait a minute. I'm a branch. Are you a branch? I mean, if you've received Jesus into your heart, you, we've been grafted in. So every branch should be including all of us, right? Not, none of us left out. All right, so we're going into one of these two groups. Which one do you want to be in? I don't want to be in the cutting off group. That don't sound great at all. You might say, whoa, pruning, pruning. I don't want to be cut off. I want to be pruned. Because pruning means I've been bearing fruit, 
And he said, boy, I know what you can do. Let's come on, let's trim off some of this dead stuff. I know that we can do more. I know what I put in you. Come on, let's trim it off. You're doing good, honey, over here. But let's, let's you know, we're going to make this flourish more. So we want to be in the pruning group. Prune, to prune, means, some translations say purge, but it means to cleanse. To, if you think of it in the terms of gardening, it's to trim off things that would hinder growth. So it's not a bad thing. So even when these two verses, are we kind of, we're getting, we should be pretty clear by now that the Father's expecting our life to produce something for him. There's no, just, he's not going to be pleased with just, you know, you sliding in. That's not going to please him. And we want to please him. If we've been bearing some fruit, could we bear even more fruit with some pruning? Well, yeah. Yeah, we could. And if we desire to be fruitful for the master, then we are going to be interested in this pruning, into what does need to be trimmed off. And you know, when you think about pruning, the longer you let something go, is it getting any easier? The more, the more dead stuff you have hanging on, the more, you know what, could you just do it when it just would take a little tweak of the, could use your fingers maybe. Or do you want to wait till you need a chainsaw? And it's a lot more painful and a lot more process and a lot more, okay, how are we going to correct this? So nipping things in the bud. Maybe you're thinking, man, what do you mean God's expecting something from me? I mean, how much does he want? I mean, I, I'm really, I mean, my, my schedule's really full. Like, I, I'm not sure how I'm going to get to all this fruit stuff. <laughs> do we really have something going on more important than our whole life's purpose? Like the whole reason he called us, the reason he appointed us, the reason he rescued us and redeemed us, we've got something more important going on than fulfilling that? I mean, come on, what, what God considers important, what he's put in us and what he's commissioned us to do ought to be the top priority. And I think... The problem for some people is that we, they compartmentalize things. So like, okay, over here's my God section of my life, and over here's my friends section, and here's the family section, and here's the work section. And, and if we would just realize that it's as we go, I'm aware of him. As we go, I'm saying, Lord, what'd you think about that response to that? You know, Lord, did I do the right thing there? Okay, well, Lord, we got this thing, situation coming up. Um, direct me in this you know like what do you want me to do do you want me to put that on the schedule do you want and it's as we go it, you, you don't have to separate him out and work him in don't try to work him in he, he shouldn't be worked in he should be the in he should be the thing so understanding and again why i emphasize time so much earlier if we understand the importance of time it's going to help us as we're making that schedule, as we're making our priorities and, and all of that. Verse 3 says, You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Now, Jesus is the word, right? So his words, we have the word. It says it cleans, it cleanses. 
right? It cor- the word cleanse in, in here, or clean, correlates to the word prune. So this, this is an indication of how we get cleansed. It's going to come through the word. You know, the word is profitable for instruction, for correction, if we'll let it get in us, if we'll respond to it, allow it to trim off the things that need trimmed off. So it's going to enable us to make the changes if we'll receive it and, and do it. And there's no fruit tree that doesn't need this. It doesn't need trimming. There's no fruit tree that's like, well, that tree is so good and so great. Uh, we just let it go and kind of ignore it because it's already attained full, full fruit measure. Uh, you know, no. We all need regular trimming. Regular checking up if we want to stay productive and we want to reach full potential, full capacity, we got to be looking off for the things that would be restricting the flow from the vine, the restricting the strength, the, um, anything that would block is going to cause that branch to eventually wither up and die. Now, it doesn't happen right away. You know, you can have a branch there that something's there blocking, and it's not going to be... It won't show up just right away, right? There's a time before, it's like a process of it withering. But if you would be able to uh, catch it before it's completely blocked, completely cut, it wouldn't have to get cut off, right? Verse 4 says to remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. So we're not doing this on our own. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So in Mark chapter 4, there was a couple of things that I saw in um, the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4. Things that block, things that hinder. You know, we can't bear anything if we detach from Jesus, same as a branch. If you would cut off a branch or whatever, if it detaches from the trunk or from the vine, you can't just hold it up there to the vine. You know, if it detaches, that's it, right? So some things in the parable of the sower and Mark, I'm not turning there, but it says uh, the things that was blocking, or I think it was the thorny ground. The, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things choked the word. And anything do that? It says it choked the word and made it unfruitful. Worries of this life. You know, this life has, has a lot of things to think about in it. So just consumed with all of that. Oh, you know, deceitfulness of riches. You know, what would that be? Well, you know... If I had money, would solve all my problems. <laughs> That's, you know, trusting in that. No. Desire for other things. Boy, that just covers a whole slew of things. Desire for other things. Just don't really have an interest in the word. And this is going to choke the word says, and make you unfruitful. This is the kind of thing that's going to, Make a life that's useless. Make a life that gets to the end and it's all going to go through the fire and go poof. And we don't want that. All these things took away focus. But the good soil 
And I already mentioned the Matthew one, but it says it was the one that hears the word, accepts it, and like Matthew says, understood it. I read that in Colossians. It said about how the gospel was bearing fruit and growing as they did from the day that they understood the message. I'm, I'm probably not getting that right, but you can go back and read it. But that's when you produce. That's when it becomes fruitful in your life. And so, um, verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, if we're not producing Jesus' fruit, then either we're not a branch, or we've allowed the flow of life to be restricted, and we're in a withering process. So, you know, we need to be checking up. I mean, we're a branch. said every branch. He, that doesn't, none of us are getting a free pass. We, we, every branch he's expecting some fruit from. It says, um, verse 7, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. That's a part of producing fruit is doing the works of Jesus. And we read verse 8 already, this is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. So earlier he said remain in me, now he's saying remain in his love. Verse 10 tells us how to stay in his love, keep my commands. Well, what's his commands? Uh, let's see, it says, well, I know verse 17, in there it says, this is my command, love each other. But we were reading in verse 10, it says, just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love, I have told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might, may be complete. His joy in us, our joy complete. Wow. Okay. Verse 12. My command is this. Okay, so we were talking about what is his command. He says if you do this, that's staying in his love. If you keep his command. He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. So here's how you find real joy in life. You be a fruitful branch and you keep the love command. You want joy in life? Be a fruitful branch and keep the love command. So people get so mixed up about this and they think, you know, I'm, you know, I'm just really going through something right now, going through a hard time, so I need to pull back from serving. I need to... I just need to focus on me right now. I'm just, and they'll cut off all, you know, it's like, it's, it's all me. It's like, this is just what I need to do for me right now. Um, they think serving themselves is what's going to make them happy. They think, this is the way it's going to fix my problems. I need to just focus on my happiness. I just need to take care of me. And I, and I, and me, and me. Was that what Jesus said, how we're, how we're going to have joy? No, it says here that um, if you love one another, your joy, and you love others the way I loved you, your joy is going to be complete. 
So serving yourself and being selfish and self-centered, that's the miserable life. See, that's the lie. The enemy says, focus on you, take care of you. This is how you're going to ever going to get what you need or want in life. This is how you meet, get your needs met. Focus on you. No, focus on others. Focus on the Lord. Focus on loving people the way he loved you. Otherwise, you're miserable. That's what the word says. So maybe you're sitting here saying like, boy, I, I don't know. I haven't thought about this too much. Uh, hey, good news. You're here. I'm here. We're all still breathing, right? Come on, take a breath. We're alive. There's time. We can get out and bear some fruit. We can still do something about this. You don't have to go get in that line empty-handed. Right? So, so don't, we're, we're not, we're just encouraging you in the right path here to stay connected to Jesus. Allow the fruit, allow the word to cleanse us and produce some fruit in us. You know, a big part of fruit production has to do with our mouth. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. <clears throat> it says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. Uh, you know how, did my ear thingy get? <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Um, so, you know how I know a, you know, when I look at a tomato plant, I don't look at that and think, yeah, I wonder if it's going to produce oranges. <laughs> no, I look at that tomato plant, and, I, and I'm like, yeah, it's going to produce a, a tomato. Why? Because it's a tomato vine. So, if we have a Jesus vine, then I'm going to look at that Jesus vine and think I should see some nice little pretty Jesus fruit hanging off the branch. So, um, he's saying that's how, what's what he's saying here. A tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So right there's a big indicator of fruit production. It's going to be coming through here. So in, in um, thinking about what fruit is, oh, there's the fruit of your time. We already talked about that. There's character fruit, fruit of our lips. I just mentioned, mentioned that. Uh, Ephesians talks about the fruit of righteousness, but, you know, all of these things, they impact people. Would the fruit of your character impact people? Would the fruit of your time impact anybody, persons? Yeah. Would the fruit of your lips impact anybody? Yeah. So, again, don't, you know, pass over this reward thing too quickly. It's not a selfish thing to say, I want to get to heaven and, and receive reward. It means you impacted people. All right. Turn to Second Peter. Wait a minute. Do I have this right? Turn to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. There are, because we, we talked about pruning, right? We talked about things that 
um, need trimmed off that would help us be more fruitful. And so there's seven things listed here that we're going to read that would help us. And I'm going to read verse 8 first. It says, For if you possess these qualities, which we're going to read, in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the King James says they will keep us from being barren or unfruitful if we have these qualities, which we're going to. Barren. I, I, you know, I looked at that when I was looking, studying through this, and I thought, well, barren, that's, that's kind of saying the same thing. You know, barren, unfruitful means the same thing, and actually, not really. Um, barren, using Thayer's definition, means free from labor, at leisure, lazy, shunning the labor which one ought to perform, Strong's definition says inactive or unemployed, lazy, useless, barren, idle, or slow. And, of course, unfruitful means without fruit or not yielding what it ought to yield, barren. So that helped me a little bit because that brings out a whole different picture than just not having any fruit. It's more like, I don't really care. I don't really feel like it. I'm just, whatever, lazy. Not performing what you ought to perform. Mm. Okay, so these things that we're going to read about are going to help us not be that, if we will do them. So the reason why he says these things, that's our clue that it's not going to be, it's going to take some effort it's not, you're going to, if you don't overcome laziness, we won't apply these things. So verse 5 says, for this reason. Wait a minute, what's the reason? So it says here, having the prior verse. Okay, let's just back up and read chapter, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that having them, you may participate in the divine nature. Does that sound like the vine, the divine nature that would be in the vine? Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And then he says, make, for this reason, make every effort. Why? So that you could escape the corruption that's in the world. That doesn't mean that you're not, that you're going to escape all the problems in the world. It means you're going to escape having the corruption of the world in you, by, which is produced by evil desires. So it says make every effort. That means keep after it. That means don't be slothful. That means, come on, let's get up and go. Uh, make every effort to add to your faith. So you've got to have a foundation of faith. That's first thing, goodness. Okay, I can't even read this goodness in my Bible. I studied this. It's virtue. Any of your other translations say virtue? Okay, because that's just too weak. Um, I looked at other places in the scripture, in the New Testament, because, you know, Greek, Hebrew, you know. So in the Greek, in the, where it's goodness is different than this word. It's virtue. I'm getting ahead of myself, so I'm going to read the list. 
Add to your faith goodness and virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, and I'm going to just insert the King James here, they will keep you from being barren or unfruitful in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So though, what happens if you don't trim for a while? If you don't prune and purge? Well, it's kind of like forgetting you've been cleansed. The word's supposed to be pruning us and cleansing us. And if you don't deal with these things, you just, you know, it's, oh, it's, we forgot and it grew back up. That's why we've got a regular pruning times. Things grow back up. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. See, it's not just going to happen on its own. Make every effort. It's going to require something of us to confirm your calling and election. Again, why are we called? What were we called for? To bear fruit, to produce something for our master. If you do these things, you will never stumble. Wow. If you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome, can you say reward, into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wow. And Lord, you're going to have to show me. See, do we close at uh, 7.30? <laughs> All right, we're going to go over a couple of these. All right. Okay. So we're going to look at, and, and I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to go somewhat quickly, but I want to look at both. You know, he said if we do these things, this is going to help us be fruitful, right? We're interested in being fruitful. So we want to look at the thing to do and pursue after, but I also want to think about well, the opposite. Like, what would I need to trim off? What should I be watching? Like, oh, don't let that creep up in my life. So virtue, the first one here was virtue. And like I said, this word's been translated goodness instead of virtue in many different translations. But I think that's way too weak. Because this particular Greek word <clears throat> was only used five times in the New Testament, and three of them are right here. One of the other times was in Philippians where he says, think on these things, and it names a whole list. That was another time, and then there was another time in First Peter, and it's virtue. So this word virtue is used only five times. Goodness is used a bunch in other places, but this word, it's virtue, and it's different than goodness. Um, let's look at some definitions. So Thayer's says, a virtuous course of thought, feeling, and action, any particular moral excellence, praise, virtue. So it's more than just goodness as opposed to badness. There's a strength here. There's an excellent spirit about it. But here's what I found very interesting. Strong's brings out, it says manliness. That's what Strong said. It said manliness. And if you look at the root word, the word that it came from, its origin is a male. Huh. Well, that really got me to, I was like, wait a minute, Lord, I'm not a man. I mean, you should be 
I could talk about this, but when you think about a real man, do you think virtue? Do you think virtuous? Do you think a man of excellence? Do you think about a man with moral excellence about him? Purity about him, that's what it says here. I mean, is that what the world is pushing down our throat as to the definition of a real man? Are, virtuous. Guys, you want to be a real man? Be virtuous. I say, wait a minute, I thought women were supposed to be virtuous. Isn't Proverbs 31 talking about a virtuous woman? Hey, look that word up in the Hebrew. That, that brings out the idea of strength even more than what I'm seeing here in the Greek. There's a strength about virtue. So what about... Okay, this just keeps coming up for me, and I'm going to say it. Um, it may be a bunny trail. I had it come up for me in study, and I'm like, mm. you know, I go to the gym, and I hear a lot of young guys uh, just, I mean, dropping words that shall not be named. Like it's, and I sit there and I think, are you trying to be cool? Is that making you feel manly? And oh, the dude. And uh, <laughs> why are you talking like this? You, it, I, I don't get it. And I'm realizing the world has tried to mold and shape our young men into thinking certain things is what makes you a man. And definitely talk bad language because that's, that's the world's idea I'm saying. <laughs> that's not what it's saying here. Be virtuous. Be a man of moral excellence. Be a cut above. So what would we need to cut off if we're going to put on virtue? Well, what would be the opposite of an excellent spirit? Well, stopping short of. Laxness. Sloppy. Just barely. You know, not morally excellent. Not praiseworthy. Not being weak, you know, weakness. You know, if it has an idea of strength carried through the word, then the opposite, the thing we need to watch out for, trim off of our life, would be some weakness. We don't want, we, we're looking out, we don't want to be weak. You know, we're not the guy, we're not the, the person that's sweeping the dirt under the rug. No, move the furniture. <laughs> Sweep it. <laughs> okay, so I do know this too. You can, it, um, in these qualities... If you don't have some godly wisdom and to know uh, the right, <laughs> you can get it. What's, what's that whole disorder thing where it's OCD? I want to see ACD. That's not it. What is the thing? The attend, uh, yeah, that one. Well, the one where you like have to do something like 400 times because. <laughs> yeah, that. I'm not trying to encourage that, especially if you struggle with that. Um, but you know, having an excellence about you, not being okay with, well, we can get by with that. You know, we have a thing on our, on our door that says, good enough isn't. <laughs> All right, the next one, knowledge. Knowledge is knowing, right? It's having understanding. Would having some understanding help us be more fruitful? And I don't mean, you know, go... Um, have knowledge on all subjects. I mean, I know nothing about being an astronaut. I'm not planning on getting any either. 
because I don't, that's not going to help me in what I'm supposed to do. But let me tell you something. I think I need some knowledge on how to run uh, Word, Microsoft Word. <laughs> that would definitely have helped me this week because I had sat down in my husband's office and I typed up this whole thing. I was working on it every day. And I got to, what was it, Thursday night? And I, I don't know, I hit a button and everything went, actually, no, back up. I, uh, I printed it because I was a little bit nervous about what if I hit something and everything went poof. And so I printed it, and when it printed, it came out in, <laughs> I would have needed a microscope. A whatever, a big looking glass. <laughs> there. It was so tidy. I didn't even know how. And so I'm like, okay. Let's start over. Let's fix this. Let's make it the font bigger. And I hit a button, and everything went away. So, so I typed it all based on the little tiny, like, so typed it all over again with the right font. Some knowledge would have helped me. It would have helped me be more fruitful of my time. I was really thinking about this time-wasting thing. <laughs> so the opposite of... Uh, Knowledge would be ignorance. We need to be looking out for things we're ignorant in and things that could help us. You know what? I, I'm Sometimes we have problems in our lives just because we're ignorant and we need some knowledge. So be lifelong learners. You know, proud people think they know everything. Well, I don't need to learn that. I don't need to. We know it all. All right, the next one's temperance. Temperance means self-control. Being masterful in a thing. So being able to master your flesh. Being able to restrain yourself and bring your flesh under the Spirit's control. That's what temperance means. So we need to, what we need to purge out of our life, the thing we're looking to trim off, is being controlled by our flesh. Right? Opposite would be not having control over our desires and our whims and just hey if we thought it if we felt like saying it we did it if we wanted to eat it we did it if we wanted to do the, you know what i'm saying so we need to look for being flesh led versus spirit led patience would patience help us in growing some fruit you know not all fruit happens overnight there's some, you know, I'd like, some fruit takes more than a couple of days. Some fruit takes more than a couple of weeks. Some fruit takes more than a month or two, or should we keep going? <laughs> Somebody says, no, no, that's rude. But you know what? A pineapple takes two years to grow. Did you know that? Two years. That's what they, we were at a coffee plantation in Hawaii. It says takes, they had some pineapple fruit bushes or, I don't know, whatever you call them. <laughs> <laughs> there was a thing on the ground and it anyway so two years for a pineapple you know radishes can grow in 30 days so not all fruit would patience help us in producing some fruit so Thayer's definition for patience is steadfastness constancy endurance it comes from another word which means to endure bravely and calmly Strong's uh, definition says cheerful endurance. Cheerful endurance. 
So if we want to be more productive in the kingdom of God, what, what do we need to be looking for to trim off? So we, we're looking, we're striving towards, pursuing after cheerful endurance in things. But then we need to trim off the, the not waiting, the impatience, giving up. You know, um, impatience is being a quitter. All right, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I've had it. I ain't going to tell. I can't take it anymore. We're finished. You know, when, you, when you're standing in something for faith, um, you need patience. And I mean, you know, the enemy's right there trying to get you to give up. Just want to give up. But no, if we want to produce some fruit, we need, we need that cheerful endurance. So it, uh, we're looking to trim off being a quitter. We're looking to trim off waiting uncheerfully, waiting and complaining or grumbling. Just because you put in time doesn't mean you were patient. How did you wait? Now, like I said earlier, the wisdom of God will help us know which trait, which, which thing applies where, what's needed when and where. Because I've noticed in raising children that they will apply the wrong truth to the wrong thing. So if someone's sitting here saying, yeah, you just need to be more patient, when actually they're dealing with laxness, no. You need to be able to determine and discern when um, you're being lax right now. You're being slothful right now. And that is different than, than patience. Godliness. This means reverence, respect. This is the definitions in, um, that I looked up. Piety towards God, godliness, and strong. Oh, this was there. Strong's includes this, but adds holiness. So, you know, in doing the fear of God series. So this is, is there, um, this is really something that's needed today. We need to pursue godliness. We need to pursue the reverence and the respect for God and his things. And so in the world today, there's a pull to be unholy, to be ungodlike. You say, well, uh, what's ungodly? Well, <clears throat> ungodly is like the unnutty dessert. Well, what's the unnutty dessert? Unnuts? No nuts? <laughs> it don't have it. So ungodly is void of God. So, there is a pull towards that. We need to be checking up on ourselves regularly. Are we showing proper reverence? And how are we doing in that area? So, it's very good. I think it's time that we're doing the Fear of God series that we're doing. Brotherly kindness. So, this is the love that Christians have for one another, like you would family. To love one another as if you're my sister, as if you're my brother. So what's the opposite of that? What do we need to trim off? Well, that would be not loving each other, not treating each other as family, not having an affection for each other, not pursuing relationships in the church. So we need to be active in this. You know, if God's called you to a local church, this local church, then, you know, we need to be forming relationships. This is your family. We're family. Would that help us bear some fruit? Yeah, it sure would, because we're stronger together. 
We help one another. This is definitely needed in helping to bear fruit. You know, I, I, I know God has things he wants to do through this church. He, we've done, we've been fruitful, but I think there's more. And I think there's more in conjunction with what we're believing him for. You know, we want our own building. We've been believing for our own building for some time. What do we plan to do with it? What's our vision? What kind of fruit do we see uh, happening? Well, then let's be faithful here. Let's be, you know, what's that scripture about if you're faithful with another man's, if you can't be faithful with another man's, how can you have your own? So, encourage you on the right path, right? So, building relationships with one another in the church. Brotherly kindness. Charity. And if we studied this one, we'd just be here. We could, honestly, we could take each one of these and just, I mean, we're, we're just skimming across the top here. But, you know, charity, it's the agape nature of God. It's, that is who he is. So, it is all of the things about brotherly kindness, but goodwill, it says love, it says benevolence, love feasts, affection. It's just, if you want to know what charity is, we could go to um, 1 Corinthians 13, which we're not going to do, but it gives a lengthy description of what is charity. And so then if we could think about, okay, what do I need to be cutting off? Well, you know, well, charity is not boastful, and it's not proud, and it's, it doesn't think of its... Um, doesn't keep record of wrongs and all this stuff. Think about the opposite of that. So if we're, we need to be cutting off um, thinking about ourselves. We need to be cutting off getting mad easily and cutting off thinking injurious and bad thoughts and rejoicing over sin and, you know, not being concerned with the truth. We need to be concerned about the truth. These are all things, again, I said, I'm just sort of, you know, we're to be students of the word, so you can go study these things out for yourself. But would charity help us bear fruit? Absolutely. Says it would, we would never stumble if these things be in us in an increasing measure. So can we do this? Can we bear more fruit? Could we bear more fruit? Yes, I believe we can. Lord's not unreasonable. He's not unreasonable. Right? You know, the parable of the talents, you know, the, remember Mr. One Talent guy? He said, yeah, well, I knew you were hard, and you, and you were, you know, he had, a, he had a, a nasty list against the master. And, and you're on, basically, he says, you're unreasonable. Now, time out. If we were to read that, and um, <clears throat> I wasn't sure if the Lord was going to have me go that direction, but I think I'm just going to reference it. It says he gave each according to his own ability. So he was not unreasonable to have expected Mr. One-Talent Guy to produce something. So we can do this. We are well able. There's things he's put on the inside of us. We've all been called. Sometimes you hear that people will be like, yeah, well, there's a call of God on their life. Or, well, yeah, we're all called. I know it looks different. And I do know that what we, sometimes what we mean we see a call that they have more responsibility to or for, but we're all called to bear fruit. He picked us. He, he um, ordained us to bear fruit. And if we bore, bore some fruit in the past, well, we could bear more 
next year, right? Like each year, shouldn't there be a progression of we're doing better, we're growing, there's more, we're developing more? Yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, I believe God's getting us prepared to handle more. And I think I was uh, to call the worship team. So y'all can come. I know we've just skimmed the surface of all this. I mean, we just sort of danced along the top. But, you know, I know I had short notice that I was going to speak tonight. But honestly, the Lord told me months ago that the next time I spoke it was going to be on this. And so I think that um, it is for a reason. To remind us that our time's precious. And we can do something about it now. Amen. Well, let's worship the Lord. You may be thinking, well, how do I do all this stuff? And God's grace is enough. We learned, Sid has showed us before in the Word that uh, God's grace is His ability in us to accomplish. I don't know about you, but I, I look forward to awesome. <laughs> I, just, I just took some and froze them and put them away so that come February or whatever, I can enjoy them again. Nothing like good fruit. There we go. Father, I, I thank you for everything you've showed us tonight. I thank you for the word that you sowed in our hearts. And Lord, we don't want to be displeasing to you. We don't want our lives to count for nothing. Lord, we desire with all our heart to come to you with something to give you, with fruit that we've bared for you. Lord, I'm asking that you would show us, show us the opportunities. Don't let us miss our opportunities. Arrest us. And we will obey you, Lord, as you speak to us. Show us the things in our lives and our character that needs trimmed off, needs purged out. The things that would restrict us and hinder us and keep us from full potential. Because, Lord, we want to grow. We want to produce. We want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So, Lord, I just ask that you seal these things into our spirit. That you would enable us to accomplish all that you put in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <coughs> So I have two things I'd like to share this evening. One was to thank Jen for what she shared this evening. That really touched my heart and meant a lot. And I think it should mean a lot to all, each and every one of us. And as I was listening to what she was saying, I was remembering something that happened to me last night. Last night I was given the opportunity to go and speak to some people. These are people from all over the world. There were about 30 of them in one person's household. And when I walked up to the house, I saw these signs in the front yard that I call liberal signs. And I thought, oh. And at first, I thought this is not the opportunity that I thought it was going to be. And then, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is the opportunity that I made for you to speak into these people's hearts and to share who Jesus Christ is with them. And that's exactly what I did last night. I'm not patting myself on the back. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying to share about what Jen shared. That, that's being fruitful. Mm -hmm. 
That's using what God gave you, the ability to do and to be fruitful in every single situation, even those situations that sometimes seem like, ugh, this is going to be hard. As I walked away from that place last night, I was able to give glory and honor and praise to God as loud as I could as I was driving down the road. I don't care who heard me. My car was probably <laughs> going up and down like this, but I really didn't care. In fact, when I got home, my wife said, I heard you pulling into the, the park. Any, anyway, but that's great. The second is this. We had an opportunity this evening, and that opportunity comes after reading through and, and going over the awe of God. And for many of you, you might have missed it. And probably, in fact, you probably did miss it. But for the people in my home group, one in particular, Deb saw it and do, knew it was coming. Um, and it has to do with the fact that when we hear the words, holy, holy, holy is our Lord, we have to remember what happened when the angels were gathered around the Lord. In Isaiah 6, 3, it says, Isaiah sees into the throne room of glory and his eyes are captivated by the seraphim that are flying around the throne crying, crying out with these words, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of glory. I'll do it again. Holy, 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 holy of hosts. That's what they would have been doing. Not He knows what he is. He knows he's holy. They're crying it out to declare it. And each and every one of us needs to do the same thing. When you see those words up there again, you should be thinking, I'm in a stadium crying out for my team. And I want them to win. But remember, he's greater than any team. He's greater than any team that we can ever cry out for. He's holy, holy, holy. That's our God Almighty. Thank you for sharing that, Troy. That's right. We're looking for opportunities as we go about our as go about our day. All right. Well, one way we love God is by loving one another. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing tonight? Is it fall or what? No, it's spring. I asked my wife today, when's the first day of fall? She said, today. So we checked and it was. It was the first day of fall. So, so good to see you all this evening. Um, what a special place to be on a Saturday night. I was glad when they said to me, Let's go into the house of the Lord. You glad tonight? Did you say it to yourself or did your spouse say it to you or that you're glad to be here tonight? I want to invite you all to stand. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am glad that you're here tonight. Now turn the other way to your other neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here tonight. And say this after me, God, we thank you for all that you've done for us. And Lord, we purpose in our heart to make it all about you. 
Amen. I purpose in my heart. I purpose in my heart to keep it all about you. To keep it all about you. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So at this time, the children are released. Amen. Not just released, released to go to your classrooms. We don't want to just <laughs> release you, but you're released to go. And then the rest of you take time to fellowship and say hi to some people and talk to them. Well, we would like to invite you to find a seat. Welcome this evening to Church of the Word International. It's great to see everybody here. Do we have anybody here with us for the first time tonight? Anybody? Oh, welcome. Okay, we're glad you're here with us. We have something for you. Our ushers will bring to you. So as I was preparing tonight for our tithes and offerings message, I kept seeing a picture of a heart, a treasure chest, and someone worshiping. And so I believe the Lord tonight... Uh, in this short message, wanted to give us a picture of how connected our heart in the area of giving and worship really are. So I've been, I myself personally have been going through a study um, on worship. From, it's from Eden to Eternity. It's a, a, a study specifically on worship. And while we were originally created to worship our creator, we may at times find ourselves worshiping our own creations or other things. Which becomes misappropriated worship then. So throughout this study, the Lord has really been showing me the importance of the condition of our hearts as believers, especially in regards to things having us, or what has us, or what are we putting a large amount of focus or attention to or on. So in Matthew 6:19 through 24, it says, Do not lay up treasures. Your for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. You know, the way that we handle our finances is of great importance to the Lord. And the way that we handle our finances also reveals a great deal about the condition of our heart before the Lord. And it can reveal where, where our hearts are at and what does or maybe does not have us. So tithing is an act of worship. I know you've heard that. We, we have great, amazing tithe messages every week. And so I know we've heard that even recently, that it's an expression of the heart that we trust God with our finances, even if the numbers don't make sense. We give God our best off the top, that which we've set aside. It doesn't matter the ebbs and the flows of our financial stance. The truth is God provides for our needs, and he has proven faithful time and time and time again, and we can trust him on that. Matthew 6, so continuing on in Matthew uh, chapter 6, verses 25 and 26 say then, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they, are ne they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. 
Are you not of more value than them? God's desire is not for Christians just to give 10% of their earnings to check a box. I'm not a box checker. I was just recently having a conversation with somebody this week about being a box checker in a certain area. And I can tell you, in my own life personally, I've realized that being a box checker is not a great place to be at. And what he really wants is our hearts to be in the right place as we are tithing and as we are giving. And when we tithe and we give, it's an act of worship and a, th- and a thanksgiving to him for all that he has done for us. Genesis, read a couple more scriptures to you. Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5 say, In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked down with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain's offering, he did, not, he did not look with. And then in Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. You know, God is the provider of everything. And he will supply our needs. So a really good area to take an inventory of your, in your own heart is an area of struggle or what's holding me back from honoring God with my finances. Maybe this is a struggle for some people. And is there anything wrong in my mindset or in my belief systems that have me in the area of finances that is not according to the word of God? You know, we sing songs like there's a song called Jesus Have It All. I'm just going to read to you the first two lyrics. Jesus, have my heart, my will, my soul. Have my hopes, my dreams, my world. With joy I lay it down. With joy I cast my crowns. Jesus, have it all. To you I bring my praise, my lips, my song. A living sacrifice as one reborn. Your life is now my own. Your will is what I want. Jesus, have it all. So we, we, we stand up, we sing worship songs, we're singing all these things out. But does he have it all in our hearts? Does he have it all in regards to tithing, to giving in our area of our finances? You, only you can answer that question. So when we worship through song, we, we can worship through song, we worship through prayer, we worship through obedience to the scriptures, we worship, worship when we participate in, in baptism and when we participate in the Lord's Supper. But <clears throat> see giving and tithing also is an act of worship before the Lord. You know, in reading through the Old Testament, you can certainly see how giving was central to the, um, central giving was to worshiping the Lord from the beginning. And now, now under the new covenant, we're not offering up sacrifices. Jesus was our perfect atonement, and it, it is finished. But we, under the new covenant, do indeed worship when we bring our tithes and our offerings to the temple of the Lord, which is his church. Uh, in Philippians, Paul spoke about the offerings of the Christians at Philippi that were sent to him to support him in his ministry. And so in Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 20, it says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. So Paul 
viewed fi- the financial support sent from the Philippians to him as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Um, last month, when our brother Jonathan was here from Harrisburg, he talked about costly worship and how worshiping the Lord with our finances is a form of worship that is a sweet-smelling aroma to God. What a blessing it is. If we look at it from this perspective, what a blessing it is for us to get to tithe and give into ministers of the Lord and into missions and into furthering the kingdom of God. That's where I want my finances to be going. And I'll add this in 2 Corinthians 9-7, Paul says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That word cheerful there is an adjective, and it's describing the condition of the heart of a, a good giver. Cheerful. Should have cheerful accompanied with it. So when your heart is right and you give him something to bless, he has an opening to bless you and pour into your life until you're overflowing so that you can keep giving back out more. We here are so privileged to serve and worship a good and faithful father. And I know I'm very blessed by the weekly teachings and instruction that we have the joy and the privilege to hear um, in this house, good godly wisdom and instruction for us to feed on and apply in our own lives as we worship the Lord with our finances. So as you get ready to give your tithes and your offerings to the Lord tonight, just stick up your hand if you need an envelope, and our ushers will bring that to you. And as we're doing that, as they're passing out the baskets before we pray, I'm just going to say a couple announcements really quick. This week, well, this past week, most of our home groups on the Awe of God started. So... If you would like to join one, it is not too late. There are four different groups running on Tuesday, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday, and two on Thursday. However, please note in the bulletin that the Tuesday group um, that meets with Troy and Rebecca, they are not meeting this week, but all the other groups will be. So if you would like to purchase a book, they are still available in the lobby for $14 as well. So you can get one of those if you do not have one. I would highly encourage you to join a home group if you had not, if you have not yet. Um, like I said, it's not too late, and this has been an amazing series. We had such a great first night of home group last Thursday, so I know, I'm sure everyone else did as well. Coming up in October, some barn party fun. We have the Youth and Young Adults Corn Maze Fun that is going to be in October. Oh, this Friday, sorry. September 29th at 7 p.m. at Oregon Dairy. So please see Josh and Alicia if you have any questions. And then we have their youth barn party is in October, October 20th. And then we have the family life group barn party at the Balmers at the end of October on October 27th. So if you are used to going to that, look for a sign-up from me soon on the Facebook page. All right. So let's take our tithes and our offerings and let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the good, good Father that you are. And Father, that as we give these tithes and these offerings to you as an act of worship, we thank you, Father, for all that, th- that these little green soldiers are going to accomplish in your kingdom. And we ask you, Father, for a blessing on all the people as they give their tithes and their offerings back to you tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 
The ushers may pass the baskets, and the people will be obedient unto the Lord.